Welcome back to Theory to Practice, a podcast that discusses how leisure theories can be valuable tools for leisure services professionals. I would like to reintroduce myself, Sarah, and my co-hosts, Anna, Ben, and Melissa. The agenda and purpose of today's episode is to apply the themes of our first episode, which were the big five traits and attitudes toward leisure and specific leisure activities, to the professional world. I spoke with a leisure professional named Scott Rogers. He is the coordinator of the Challenge Course program and teaches recreation and wellness classes at the College of Southern Idaho, which is located in, in Twin Falls, Idaho. Scott is a leader that I have worked with and looked up to for his example on how he interacts with others around him. And when he interacts with others, he's always helping them feel that they are important and they play a great role. We had a discussion um, centered around the question of how understanding personalities and leisure attitudes helps him personally as he leads his team and works with students daily. We talked a lot about how it's super important to understand personalities and leisure attitudes in general because it really does help guide you when you're interacting with others and to have a better understanding with others that are around you. On the challenge course there at CSI, um, he mentioned that they're working with different groups and individuals every day, and those groups are very different. Um, as, as they understand this, as they understand that they all have different personalities, they all have different traits, um, it helps them better able to personalize a program that is best for that specific group. He said that they will facilitate uh, a nursing a group of nursing students different than they will facilitate a group of welders or a basketball team. He also discussed how when a group shows up to a program, when they are interacting with them, when they are meeting um, those individuals, they're paying attention to that group and those individuals so they can make adjustments to the program that will best serve them and help them best reach their goals in the way that they need to do that. He also mentioned in leadership and in other roles that we play, because we're always around people, it is important to understand different personalities. Um, A lot of times, two people with an extremely high level um, in the same trait, same personality trait, they will tend to compete with one another. But if two people have um, their high, um, most dominant trait in differing areas, that they'll tend to balance each other out, that they will build off of each other's strong points and their weak points, rather than just competing against one another. Um, It can help in understanding what each other's personalities are and what some of their traits are, um, so that you can you can see where they're coming from and you can better work out a way to to work together um, in that leadership role. It was great to be able to talk to Scott Rogers on his experience in the leadership field, specifically with working on a challenge course and leading students in his recreation and wellness classes and how he applies understanding personalities and leisure attitudes in his daily life as a leader and as someone that many people look up to. 
Recently, I have been doing some more in-depth research into extroversion lately, and I read an article that talked about turning points and lessons learned across middle adulthood using stressful life events and personality trait development as a way to determine how certain personality types view stressful life events. So in this article, they compared extroversion and neuroticism from the big five traits more than the others that we talked about earlier. But what they found was that people who had higher amounts of extroversion tend to see these experiences as an opportunity to learn a lesson rather than a disruption to their lives, which is how people with higher neuroticism viewed these experiences. I connected with this article because I've always seen life as a series of lessons that unfold as you live your life, but also as others live theirs. Uh, I learned early on in my childhood that I was very observant of others and mistakes or decisions they made that led to poor consequences. I learned to learn from the mistakes or successes of others as well as my own, which has supported my growth into my adult life. And on the topic of viewing life as a series of lessons, I want to talk about a time when a leisure professional helped me have a leisure experience, which took place at this very school, my sophomore year of undergrad. I briefly mentioned this class in our last podcast, but this story is, is about Tracy Maneri's recreation leadership course, which was one of my very first major classes in my recreation management program. Um, if I were to describe this class with one word, uh, I would say it was discovery, in particular self-discovery. Uh, Tracy approached this class with a mind for growth, both for her and her students. Uh, she wanted to better understand her particip- participants as well as give them experience they will remember and use throughout their lives. So how do you approach something that could have that large an impact? Uh, the best way to start this challenge in any case is to ask questions, which is what, which is exactly what she did. From a participant perspective, she was available. She made resources available to us and she facilitated discussions that got us thinking for ourselves and started at least me on a journey of self-discovery. She didn't give us answers directly. She made us think critically, which Recently, I've discovered that this is a skill that seems to be dwindling more and more, so I'm glad that she did it. She was also open with us and created an environment that was inviting by being respectful, helpful, and occasionally silly when it was required. Furthermore, she strived strived for inclusion, which is a hugely common practice that's being implemented more and more. So ask questions, figuring out what needs to happen to make everyone feel included, and plan around the answers you observe. Inclusion is as much for personalities and attitudes as it is for everything else. That being said, I think when you are planning activities or even working with groups of coworkers or friends, we need to remember that we all come from different backgrounds. We don't all have the same experiences and we all bring something different to the table. You may share a common personality with someone else, but that doesn't mean it manifests in the same way. So take the time to get to know yourself, your participants, and your friends or acquaintances. So not only you can perform at your best, but they can as well. So while there are many personality traits and attitudes in the world regarding leisure, let's focus for a minute specifically on the trait of openness to experience. So how could we apply what we know about individuals who identify with openness to experience to the way that we program things in the field? Well, we know that they are sensitive to aesthetic, So the best possible way to include them is to include all five senses in the experience environment we provide. 
So this could just be simply by creating a theme and following it, being cohesive, and giving that opportunity for the participants to see the different themes and how it travels throughout um, is something that they would thrive in. We also know that they need a variety of experience. So repetition is great for learning environments, but experience-based environments aren't the home for these drills. We always keep these participants on their toes. That's the best way to keep them involved. They want to be challenged, and they won't be challenged in a repetitive environment. So always switching up, even if it's something small in our activities or in the way an event is produced, um, even if they're coming year after year, they're looking for it to be a different experience each time. So giving something that is a change for them, maybe that is through their aesthetic, maybe it's through the theme that we're providing, they're really going to enjoy that and thrive in that in that non-repetitive environment. We also know that these participants have unconventional values and they dare to be different. So how do we adjust for this? Well, we can give them opportunities to be unique. This is best applied in a creative scenario, like maybe something more artsy, um, but even in just a way that they are able to express themselves to the group or express themselves in an event. Give them the autonomy to choose how they express themselves in different activities, whether that's through different materials or giving them a specific job in a group, um, giving them a leadership aspect. They love that challenge and they love to dare to be different and stand out and think outside of the box. So let's give them those opportunities when we program for people who involve themselves in openness to experience. In a study I reviewed that was published by the Psychology of Sport and Exercise, the results indicated that openness to experience and implied theories of ability could be linked to agreement with aging stereotypes in older adults. The study's findings suggested that the early endorsement of aging stereotypes may be an important factor of engagement in the aging population's physical activity. The study went on to say that nearly 60% of people aged 65 years and over are physically inactive despite the health benefits of regular physical activity. The more open to experience older adults are, the younger their subjective age will be. This means that the more open to experience that they are, the younger that they feel, or the younger that they will identify as. In turn, satisfaction with one's own aging and feeling young are indicators of positive well-being in late life. This suggests that openness to experience may predict successful aging through stereotype internalization processes, which means just decoding what the stereotypes are and whether or not people of those generations will identify with them. So this helps us understand the cycle we could produce for older generations in our programming. We could produce a variety of new experiences, which could in turn create a youthful feeling in elderly participants, which also in turn can fight aging stereotypes that have been internalized in the population. This is Anna. Today I'm going to be talking with my friends Tom and Corey about the big five traits and leisure attitudes. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and talk about their leisure traits a little bit. My name is Tom Awesome. I am a professional skydiver. I also own a tour business, Awesome Ottawa Tours. I give historic tours of Ottawa. So I basically do tours on the ground and tours in the sky. My name is Corey Awesome Waltering, and I am a professional trail and ultra runner for the North Face. So, Tom, can you talk to me a little bit about your leisure choices? No. 
<laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, be more specific. So what do you like to do? What is your chosen leisure activities? What do you do in your free time? Um, Corey and I have an interesting life in that our leisure choices, as you call them, are basically our lives. It's our livelihood and it's it's our existence and it's who we are. So in my free time, and I, I tell this to people on tours all the time. I said, I don't know if I, I enjoy the research for a tour or if I enjoy giving the tour more. But I do the research. I find it to be fascinating. I, I go to the library and I get lost going down rabbit holes of history. And that's what I do with my leisure time. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm jumping on airplanes. Can you talk to me about your tours? What exactly do you, what kind of tours do you give? Yeah, so um, Awesome Ottawa Tours is a history-based tour business. Uh, we talk about the history of Ottawa. And just to give you like the, the basics of it, Ottawa, Illinois, and Chicago, Illinois are sister cities. They're they um, built by the same guy. The surveyor was James Thompson. Back in the 1830s, he surveyed Chicago and he surveyed Ottawa as the beginning and the terminus of the I&M Canal. And they're exactly the same cities. So he did Ottawa first. So the, the size of the blocks and the size of the streets and even the name of the streets are exactly the same as what Chicago was. So our Fox River and our Illinois River, you, could, you, you, rubber, you can rubber stamp that all the way up to Chicago and uh, make our Fox River Lake Michigan and make our Illinois River um, uh, the Chicago River, and it's the same town. So nobody knows that. No, I did not know that. <laughs> no, well, you should go on a tour. I know, I'm going to Yeah, to. so um, Chicago and Ottawa were sister cities built at the same time, and uh, my research goes back, um, like right now I've, I've been giving gifts to um, all of my, my, my people who go on tours. I'm giving them seashells, that I'm finding in, in Ottawa, in the canal. What? So Ottawa is, is uh, we were underwater. Um, 325 to 540 million years ago, we were under a shallow sea, 10 to 20 feet deep, and it was a sandy uh, floor of that sea. That's how we got our sandstone. Okay. So they're rewatering the canal right now, and they're digging up that sandstone that's underneath, and all these seashells are coming out. So I go down and in five minutes, I can find 10 seashells. Um, beautiful, and I actually have a, uh, I just found it, and I'm never gonna give this away, but it's a, a fossilized sea sponge. Really? Yeah, that I found in the I&M Canal. I wanna see it. That is crazy. That's awesome, thanks for sharing. Corey, same question. What do you like to do in your free time as far as leisure goes? Ooh, free time. Well, <laughs> is that something that you get a lot of? Um, I have plenty of free time, but it's usually not in the same place. So, um, basically, I get paid to go race around the world. Um, in the mountains, usually on trails, anything from fifty kilometers to a hundred miles. Wow! And um, through that, I've been able to kind of go explore just different areas of the world and um, really, really cool experiences that way. Um, so, in my free time, if I'm not running, then I'm probably hiking. You like to hike? Yeah, lots of hiking. So, do you enjoy going out to Starve Rock? 
Is that or is that not hiking enough for you? Um, honestly, I go to Starve Rock when Tangled Roots has their trash cleanup. <laughs> I days. know I always can depend <laughs> on you to come out and help me. <laughs> and other than that, I really don't go there. Okay. Um, and it's not that it's not pretty. It's just I have hiked many other places, and since there are so many people that end up going to Starve Rock sure. all the time, I just don't feel like dealing with the crowds. I understand. It unfortunately is has become something that a lot of the locals have been deterred from going because of the oversaturation from yeah. all of the tourists. It's unfortunate. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like they could do a little bit better job of taking care of the park. Um, there's just, there is quite a bit of trash after busier weekends and stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, part of that could just be as simple as, you know, like putting up signs like, Hey, don't litter or, you know, put extra garbage cans out there. Sure. But yeah. Awesome. Thanks. You know. Tom, you mentioned how your leisure lifestyle sort of changed over the years due to, um, age. And that is one thing that we talked about that we discussed in our last podcast as far as leisure attitudes and how age kind of affects the choices that you make. And so can you kind of touch base on how you have noticed your choices changing over the years or how it has affected your skydiving or certain things that you do? Yeah. Um, Turning 50 was, I turned 50 this year, 2019, and uh, it was rough. Not emotionally rough or mentally rough, but the body aches more, the body hurts more. I, I screwed up my shoulder at one point this year, and uh, back when I started jumping out of airplanes in my early 20s and even through my 30s and in my 40s, I was indestructible. Like, nothing could slow me down. I mean, I I would be, I'm on the first load of every day at the airport, and I was on the last load of every day, hmm. and and drinking beer afterwards, <laughs> and nothing could could stop me. But now the body starts saying, "Hey, you know, these these joints are 50 years old now." Sure. And uh, so conversely, um, it it hasn't slowed me down. Um, I just have to know, like, okay, slow, take it easy. Um, I don't, I don't take any. Not that I ever was was a risk taker, but you know, I just steady Eddie, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, get it done. Uh, but I, uh, I definitely, uh, the next day, like even raking leaves. You know, it's not not just jumping out of planes or giving a a, a tour on a bicycle or something. Even raking leaves. I wake up the next day and go, oh, yeah, I really did rake leaves for three <laughs> hours yesterday. But conversely, if you don't keep moving, you really lose it. Sure. So, you know, just live within your limitations and, like, just keep going. Keep keep going. Keep plugging away. Keep. I mean, this is what I do, and, and my love for the... My lifestyle, my love for my lifestyle. Does that mm -hmm. sound crazy? My love no, for my lifestyle good. is is um, it, it, I'm, not, I'm never going to waver from it. This this is what I do. This is what I'm going to keep doing until I just can't do it anymore. And I take the big, I like that dirt bath. Oh, so you do you do hope to skydive for the rest of your life? Absolutely. That's great. What What's the point if I don't? It's true. If there you is there is no point. It. No. 
you know, life was meant to be lived. Get out and do it. You know, I still haven't been in a NASCAR. I haven't been in a, I haven't been in a race car. I still have to do that. I mean, there's there's a bunch of stuff that I haven't done yet. But you know what? I've I've jumped out of a shit ton of airplanes, and I've flown a ton of airplanes. Um, I've flown really low to the ground. I've flown upside down. Um, but there's a lot of stuff out there that I still want to do, and and I'm gonna make it happen because I get one of these That's one right. of these things we call life, and I'm gonna live it. Good, good. Corey, same question to you. How do you anticipate your professional career to change as you get older? Well, um, the cool thing about running at, say, the ultra distance is that you're really not in your peak until your late 30s, early 40s. Really? So, um, I got into the sport rather young. And I think that it's going to be fun to kind of just watch over the next few years as, I mean, I turn 30 next year, so I'm still not anywhere close to what my peak should be. Sure. Um, but honestly, though, like, I think I'll run forever. Um, probably not at a high level forever, but I'll still run just to go out and enjoy it and still be able to go experience the different trails and the races and uh, the community of just ultra running. Um yeah, I don't know. Maybe I won't necessarily run a hundred mile races forever, but you know the the local five k's sound pretty fun. Also, <laughs> and you can do those forever. Yeah, you know it's interesting that you say you don't really peak until your maybe late thirties, forties. I know that I've been following your career quite closely since I've known you the last few years, and obviously being a local Ottawaan, your high school career was followed very closely by the community as well. So I know that I have seen your career just grow and grow throughout the last three years. Three years. So to think that, you know, you still haven't hit your peak yet is crazy. Yeah. I can't wait to see where your career takes you. Absolutely. It is kind of crazy to think about that just because, I mean, I've been doing races that I just never really thought I'd get to go to. Sure. Um, and now I'm doing them, and it's just like, a, oh yeah, by the way, like last week I was in Japan and did this or whatever. <laughs> like, just random stuff that I'll drop in conversations without even thinking about it. And people will be like, oh, wait a second, back up, what did you just say? I know. Like, oh, oh yeah, I guess, I guess that's not normal. <laughs> it is definitely not normal, no. It's... <laughs> Um, yeah, we're not normal. <laughs> no, no, but it seems to be working out for you quite well. <laughs> okay, I think that we've had some really good discussions about leisure and your leisure choices. I'd like to wrap this up by asking each of you how you can offer future leisure professionals advice on their professional careers as well as how to enhance individual experiences for participants. Tom, would you like to start? Sure. Um, you know, the, the old saying is, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That malarkey. Yes. Um, anything's going to end up feeling like work. Um, uh, I love giving tours and I love throwing people out of airplanes. Um, Sunday night at eight o'clock in the middle of the summer when I'm doing my 15th or 20th tandem for the day and I'm like okay this is starting to feel like work but 
there are much worse ways to make a living um, and that would be doing something you don't love if you if you have a passion for something whatever it is whatever your passion is whatever you find yourself doing at six o'clock at night when you're sitting in your recliner covered with your afghan if you can turn that into a business if it's something leisure um, or an activity based then you're you're winning i mean that's a win i agree Corey, do you have anything to add to that yeah i would say that honestly um in this day and age like social media has kind of become one of the biggest things of um building your brand um and so just be true to who you are but still focus on your social media and try to um just really that's the best way to get information out there great well i really appreciate hold on oh i have a question yes and I want I want to ask you what. Ooh, the tables are shifting a little bit. And don't you dare edit this out. Um, what do you hope for for Graham in in his That's a really good question adult life? Um, is along these lines, along these topics. You know, I think for me as a mom, I know that I have talked a lot about um, how my leisure has kind of shifted a little bit from what I like to what I like to do as an individual to what I now like to do as a family. But my hope for him is that he just finds something that he's super passionate in. Um, Pretty much what I said. Yes, exactly. You know, you're passionate in skydiving and tours, and you've turned that into a career. Corey, you're passionate about running and doing these amazing races, and you've turned that into a career. And... By doing that, you've met some awesome people. You've traveled all over the country. And at the end of the day, like, you are winning because you're doing that. So my hope for Graham is that he just finds something. He works really hard towards it. He, you know, we talked a little bit offline about, you know, people in your career, Corey, who are doping. I want him to know what's right and what's wrong and just be able to be the best person he can be and the truest person to himself and I just want to support him no matter what that career is you know I myself would never go skydiving but if he wants to skydive <laughs> I may not watch that but I'll support it and ask for a phone call when he lands or if he wants to be a let me think something off the wall I mean Really, whatever he wants Trapeze to do. Trapeze artist. I'm 100% going to support months, him. He's seven and a half months. Seven and a half. So right now, I'm just trying to keep the kid alive from pulling himself up onto <laughs> any and everything. <laughs> but I hope that that's my goal. I hope that he learns how to live a really good, happy, and safe life. But to be true to himself and find out what makes him happy. I think that... If you're, whatever you do in life, if you can't tell it to your mother, it's probably something you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> I agree. So you just do whatever you do, as long as you're okay at Thanksgiving or Christmas to around the table to tell your mother this is what I'm doing these days, then, every, <laughs> then everything's fine. I'm going to play that back to Graham. So Graham, you, you'd be able to tell me anything. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate everything. You guys are great. And 
made for good company today. Thank you. You're welcome. Tom and Corey were both able to provide great insight into their careers as leisure professionals. They've both been able to take something that they love and enjoy doing and make a life out of it. That's something that all of us as leisure professionals aim to achieve. Tom and Corey both talked about how they closely identify their leisure trait with openness to experience. I can definitely see how they identify with that after speaking with them and talking about how they both travel a lot, how they're constantly seeking new leisure activities in different states, different countries, different cultures. That is something that they would definitely have to be open to experience and enjoy. I think that the advice that they offer to future leisure professionals to find something that you love to do is great advice. And I think that Corey talking about the importance of social media is also something that we need to stay at the forefront of that trend in order to be able to reach out to our audience. Thank you for bringing theory to practice with us. I'm Ben Nyman. I'm Anna Wright. I'm Melissa Trober. And I'm Sarah Krug. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion topics and were able to learn a few takeaways that you can apply to your profession.